Okay, when I woke up this morning, it was gray. It was dark. It was cold. It felt really, really good in my bed. And the last place I wanted to be was any place that wasn't in my bed. And you know what? A lot of the city's feeling that way too. And we have a term for it. It's called seasonal affective disorder. And there are things you could do about it. That's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. It's good to talk to you all again. Um, Gene, how you been? Been pretty good. Um, you know, uh, I just bought myself a holiday present. I just bought myself a ukulele. And the... Re- <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. So, so you bought it for you? Does that mean nobody would, at well, home would buy I've, it for I've, you? This, this year, I must say, I've really indulged in musical instruments. I won't go into detail, but I bought a lot of stringed instruments, like four or five guitars. But um, <laughs> You did go into detail. You went into very specific detail. Yeah, I know, I know, but, but I, 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 I can't stop myself. But, but, but I was thinking, as the new Beatles White Album was remastered, and they had all this really cool stuff of being in George Harrison's living room. I was thinking, you know, I think George Harrison's favorite instrument was the uke. And I went online, and sure enough, I was right. And there he was, playing the ukulele, playing I Will. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Does he call it the uke? Like, do people say that about ukuleles? Well, he actually has a handwritten note about why the uke is such a really? great... Yeah. So I didn't a, know that. It's a great instrument. He says it makes you crackers. He thinks it's kind of silly, but it actually is quite beautiful, and, and, and um, it has a lovely tone. And so I, I decided, you know, I've... You know, I, well, my, I, gave, I gave ukuleles to my grandchildren a couple years ago, and I thought, geez, wouldn't it be great to kind of, like, play the ukulele with these twins, and we'd have a little ukulele band? <laughs> what do you call that? I don't know. Trichalele, ukulele. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it is a cool instrument. It's, uh, do, you have, do you ever listen to Pandora? The, the, yeah. So it turns, it, we have noticed in our family, no matter what song we ask Pandora to create a, a playlist around, inevitably that mix of Somewhere Over the Rainbow oh. um, by the, I forgot, Israel something, yeah. the guy yeah. passed away yeah. with his ukulele. A great it's, version. It's so beautiful and it comes on every time. So um, I am only going to allow you to continue talking about u- your ukulele if you let me play your ukulele at some point. A- that would and make not only will I let you play it, but but I will back you up on one of my guitars or on another ukulele that I'll get. <laughs> yeah, right, right, because you got no... Um, and before we get into today's topic, actually, that brings me up, uh, brings up one other issue. Uh, speaking, you know, Yeah, what's that, new with you? Well, well, thank you for asking. I'm <laughs> glad that you brought that up. Um, no, it just made me realize that uh, the uh, Stones, the Rolling Stones, are going to play yet again for another final tour. This is their fourth oh, final great. tour. They're going to be at Gillette Stadium, assuming they Ugh. last that long. Yeah, the stadium venue sucks. I can't get myself to buy the ticket. I've never seen the Stones. I feel like I ought to, but not there. And I know you're going to tell me some story about well, how you saw yeah, them. Yeah, I did. Crazy. I did. Yeah, well, I, I saw them at Gillette. Yeah. I saw them, like, uh, it was a number of years ago, and they were at Gillette. It wasn't their, quote, last tour. But we were in what was supposed to be 
really good seats in the bleachers, like right on the 20-yard line. It was still, I could only see them on the big screens, and it was like I could watch this on my, on my, my TV at home. Yeah. I heard that they had a concert at the Orpheum, though. That was that would be awesome with a thousand uh, like a thousand. Well, one people. thing they did do that was really cool when they played um, a couple years ago at the at the Garden. Yeah, they contacted the Boston University High School Choir and they had them sing the "You Can't Always Get What <laughs> oh, You Want" part. So great. all these high school kids got to go backstage. <laughs> that's great. Which was which is pretty cool. Well, I just don't. I just can't handle the big venues. You know, I really like, and here in Boston. You know, I mean, I love going to you know the Orpheum or the Somerville Theater or the Wang. I mean, or you know Harbor Lights or whatever it's called now. The one in the tent. Where I saw like Ray Charles, because um, uh, you could you oh actually the best one around here is in um, Lowell in Broadway oh, Lo- Park. Oh yeah, that is great. And you yeah. sit on the grass if yeah. you get there early enough. You can sit in the front. Because they have a folk festival. Yeah. yeah. Well, they yeah. have Dr. John. They have yeah. Little Feet. They have you know t- they have Keb Mo. They have yeah. all these cool artists, and you can just like it's like the old days. You know? Yeah. yeah. We, well, we just have to acknowledge that we are both at the age where we don't really see concerts. We see things that are called an evening with. I know. So like an evening with Neil Young, an evening with John Prime. It ends at 10 o'clock. There ain't no encore. You're going home. It's time to go to bed. Yeah. You know, put on your CPAP and sleep well. Right. Um, but it does bring up this really interesting issue that I think we ought to talk about today since this is a mental health podcast. Um, concerts, music, th- that's a pretty good way to kick the down feeling that folks get as the days get shorter. Um, and it people often think that they're imagining it. They'll, they'll come in my office and they'll say, you know what, I, something about this gray, yep. rainy, yep. cold weather, yep. I just feel I, lousy, Doc. And, and is it in my head? And I'm like, of course, it's not in your kidney. It's, that's where you feel it. Yep. But it's a real thing. But seasonal affective disorder, otherwise known as SAD. Which is, is like the best acronym in all of psychiatry. Unbelievable. Right. right. Um, it, it, but it's a real thing. And, and, and I've had a number of, of patients come in. Um, those who actually have depression, non-SAD depression, like clinical depression, actually are more vulnerable to SAD. But SAD can come on by itself. And as the, lights, as the light gets shorter in the day, people's mood changes, um, uh, and, and, and virtually all the clinical signs of depression are there. Um, and then it, it, you know, uh, it lasts a variable amount of time. For some folks that I've seen, it goes away during the, the, you know, the spring and summer months. Yep. But for other people, it lasts, it begins when the year goes dark, and it just kind of and, and, turns and into a depression. Right, well, I think it's really important to, to point out also that you don't actually have to meet all the criteria for seasonal affective disorder for SAD right. to feel down when the weather gets gray. These things exist on a spectrum. We act like there's a syndrome, and then there's not. Right. But people, even if they don't meet all the criteria, they start to feel slower. They start to feel more sluggish. They have a harder time getting out of bed. There's nothing abnormal about that. But if you don't like the way that feels, there are actually things you can do about so, it. So, so why don't you? Why don't you? Uh, since you wrote this blog on sad, why don't you? Uh, spell out what the criteria are or what the most common symptoms are since everybody's different. Yeah, so really the most common symptoms are this sort of low energy state. It's not that you feel down, although you do feel down, but when you talk to people about it, they won't say um, so much that I'm feeling hopeless or that I, I feel like there's no point in going on or something. They'll just feel like I have no motivation. Like, I don't want to get up. The, the The bed is so warm. And I just want to sit here all day. There ten- Actually, there's a lot of the symptoms of what we sometimes call a typical depression, right? So there's carbohydrate cravings. There's uh, 
what we've called, overeating. Yeah, overeating, but especially overeating carbohydrate-laden yep. food. Yep. Nobody overeats, you know, plums. Do you think that's because of the serotonin, or or um, or the or what is it about the nobody carbs? knows? Yeah. Nobody knows actually. Um, and you know, there's all these evolutionary biology explanations that maybe we start to store up carbs when the weather gets cold yeah. and dark because we need to pull on those fat stores later. Um, you know, because most of human history we haven't had regular, uh, regularly available food stores. But, but nobody knows. We just know that this is one of the presenting aspects of seasonal affective disorder. There's also this thing called leaden paralysis, which is just a fancy way of saying you feel so heavy that it's like lead is on you. And yeah. for that reason, you can't move. You feel paralyzed. And people sleep more. They sleep all the time. And then there's usually, but not always, increased irritability. So not hopelessness as much as feeling more irritable. It, it's it's a real phenomena that doesn't just happen to people with depression, and you don't even have to have all of the symptoms, as I said, of seasonal affective right. disorder to start to feel down. You know, it's interesting. There's been some really cool studies. It's as you might guess. It's it's more prominent the shorter the days are, and the days get right. shorter the further you get away from the equator. Right. So you yep. live way for way far north or way far south, you're more prone to seasonal affective disorder during the winter winter months. There have been studies looking at people who moved from Iceland, where it's awfully dark in the wintertime, to the relatively balmy settings of Manitoba, right, to like not particularly better from the way we look, but it's enough of a change that the people who lived in Iceland actually started to feel better in Manitoba. So it's actually small changes in the amount of light that you're exposed to that actually seems to make a big difference, and that points us towards treatment. Right, and and so so, uh, the standard treatment... uh, in terms of lights, is um, having UV lights. What is wait? What's UV mean? Ultraviolet. Yeah, so, 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 so like the, the sun, the, the, like the sun. Yeah. Right. The same thing that the sun emits. You can get them, and they and uh, you know uh, the common ones that are uh, very effective are ten thousand lux. So if you're going online to look for lights, you want ten thousand lux. What lights. does it run you about? Oh, well, you know, I, I just went one for one of my patients just this week. I went on Amazon because he, he said, I, uh, you know, I, I can't afford it. And I said, well, let's look. So we found um, we found one that looked really good on Amazon. It was about 139 bucks. Um, that's a chunk of change. But imagine, right. but you do, you're using it for 20 to 30 minutes uh, to your side. You don't want to look directly into it because it can. Why not? Well, UV rays are not good for the eyes. They're not good for this, you know, for the skin. You, Mom you, you, always told me not to look into the eyes of the sun. Don't look into the sun. Right. Don't look into the sun. You right. Know? You see, thing. you look into the sun, and you see like weird, weird stuff. No, you can burn your retina. You, so, yeah, you can. Um, so, so you put it to your side, and while you're sitting and watching TV or using the computer or something for 20 to 30 minutes twice a day, uh, and it gives you and it changes you, and it really does make a difference for for some folks. Yeah. So, and do insurances ever cover it? Because I I had mixed results with that when I've had patients look for it. I, it depends on the policy. I've had some that would cover them, but you got you know with insurance companies, you always have to jump through these hoops to show that it's truly sad and it's not depression that could otherwise be treated by standard other measures. Now, that's not to say that antidepressants don't work because. They can work. With, yeah. With, with no, sat. they're actually and one of the treatments. They, yeah. No, no. You know, because we create this podcast to sort of give people things that they can do. Right. Outside of needing to go see a doctor, there's. I mean, like I, I suffer from this. Not. I don't meet the full criteria. Yeah. I don't think. But I know 
that when the weather gets, I grew up in a very sunny place. So the idea of uh, here living in Boston where it's gray a lot of the time and especially in the winter Kansas time, City sunny? Yeah, Kansas is 300 days a sunny year. Really? Actually. Yeah, because it gets the that sort of sunny wow. weather from Oklahoma and Texas sort of drifts up. It can be cold. I don't mind when it's super cold or the sun's out, but when it gets gray, yep. I have a really hard time. So what works? So, so um, the lights work. Lights work. Uh, what about uh, CBT? CBT works, although it's That's only as cognitive useful. behavior therapy, and, and but only if you have distorted thoughts or what we call cognitions, or only if you're willing to do it. Right, right. like, it's, like it's, it's, a, it's a practice. A lot of CBT is like, well, you're going to have to get yourself up at 7 a.m. every day, but that's the very thing you're struggling with. So then it becomes really frustrating because you're being told to do the thing. So you're you can't changing do. your behavior and you're changing your cognitions or your thoughts. But it, it's a it's a it's a daily practice like meditation, yeah. which also can help many different conditions. I don't know the research on SAD and, and meditation. There's, I don't know. there's a little bit. I think there's more just general research that um, that m- calm, mindfulness yeah. behavior can improve mood. But again, you've got to be motivated to do it. Meditation is not right. something you just do. But, but for and, tools for folks to have at home. And the other things that are more generic that can help people feel better is, you know, hanging out with your with your dog mm-hmm. um you no, know no, that going that, for walks going for walks so you get a combination of exercise and connection with your with your and dog you get sunlight and you get there's sunlight. still sunlight out there that's and that's right. what people forget because so even getting, though even if it's cloudy yes. they're still getting the yeah, uv yeah. rays so yeah, taking a walk with your dog 30 minutes a day it's like th- yeah it's like it, that, that's that's been perfect. studied um Exercise, people often let exercise go to the wayside. Again, if you're feeling, you know, amotivational, it's especially hard to exercise. So, And then people want to go back and exercise the way they did in the summer, and it's really yeah. hard. So you give them a break. You say, look, you were doing an hour a day in the summer. Well, I, 20 I, minutes. Have, I have a, um, a mountain bike because I don't like high tech. I, I don't have time to go to the gym. So I, I put my mountain bike on a stand in a southwest-facing window, and when I'm riding my bike, I'm also getting so, – now, now, UV rays don't – go through windows, so I don't know whether I'm actually no, getting no, but it. by exercising, well, you're helping. But by actually, exercise... I'm, exercise, I mean, you want to know the science? Well, you know the yeah. science. Yeah. It, it um, generates brain-derived neurotrophic growth factor. Yeah. So the theory is, at least, we know exercise does that, and the theory is that by causing the regeneration of neurons and the repairing of neurons, you actually increase the um, wellness of yeah. the of the individual and decrease depressive feelings. Yeah. So, so this is like, it's a real thing. And you know, another interesting fact I forgot to mention... It might be worse in Boston of all the major cities in the United States, and that's because we have the shortest days in the winter of all major cities because the United States, if you look at the East Coast, um, it drifts eastward as well as um, Boston being really far north. So we ought to be on Atlantic time, not Eastern time. You mean the light? The light? The the, the, the length of the the days? Actually, the border of the United States... Um, New England oh, juts goes, out oh, it to go, the east. So it goes, it so goes out. So it's, it's different from D.C., it's different from Atlanta. So is it worse on Cape Cod than it is uh, A on, little bit, than yeah. Than it is in, in yeah. Boston or in Worcester. Yeah, every <laughs> year the, the Massachusetts legislature debates whether we ought to adopt Atlantic time, Atlantic Standard Time, which wow. is uh, what uh, places like Halifax are on. That would be um, interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's really fascinating to think about. And the only reason we don't is we'd be the only city in the nation that's on a different, that's not on So Eastern did time. Halifax actually change their time? No, they, they're just, they no, just happen to be far enough east for it to make sense. Yeah. We didn't because we, all the Maritimes are yeah. on, on uh, Atlantic time. Yeah. We just didn't because we need to be on the same time as New York, yeah. as Washington, D.C., as Atlanta, all those yeah. cities down the eastern seaboard. But what it means is that cities like Boston, the, the combination of the very short days and, and our particular weather patterns, which ain't sunny, mm-hmm. um, leaves us particularly vulnerable at um, this time of year. 
yeah. and people need us. One other thing that we should mention, it's a little bit of a tangent, but that the but that mood disorders do have seasonal components that are not just light affected. So the two peaks of depression are November 1st and April 1st. Yep. And some people have seasonal affective disorder, paradoxically, in the spring, in the springtime, heading into the summer, which is weird because if you think it's 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 not totally light-related. No, no, so there, there's a totally different etiology that folks talk about. The, the light probably has to do with our internal circadian rhythms, the superchiasmatic nucleus, um, the, the sort and of... Circadi- and divine circadian rhythms. The, the sort of natural rhythms to which your body adjusts such that you get the rest that you need, the metabolic energy right. that you need, and the activity that you need. Um, and it Your gets, biological clock. Right, and it, it gets altered. Yeah, um, it gets altered. Uh, in the springtime, it looks like it's probably an inflammatory response. If, if you look at the people who get depressed in April more often, they also have much higher rates of immune markers suggesting um, inflammation, which uh, and they also have higher rates of allergic uh, symptoms. Now, you know, like one other rhinitis. one other thing that may be a tangent but may not is that the, the myth is is that the suicide rate increases during the winter months and particularly over the holidays, but that's totally myth. It's actually highest between April and August. Is that related to that, yeah, to so that lot, depressive? So uh, folks think that's that's two or three uh, uh, explanations have been offered. Actually, if you go to the, um, what is it, the Society of Prevention, what's the name of the organization? The, um, the, the American Pre- Foundation for Suicide Prevention? Yeah, AFSP. Yeah, yeah, if you go to the F- AFSP website, they actually have a great discussion of this, and they and they put it out every year to remind oh, people Oh, that's terrific. It doesn't mean you shouldn't take somebody seriously this time of year if, they're, if they yeah. tell you that they're feeling like they might not want to be on this earth. But we know that the rates of people who attempt and die by suicide go up in the spring, and the reasons people postulate, one is that inflammatory one I talked yep. about. The other is that there's a bit of activation. A lot of us kind of quasi-hibernate in the wintertime. We're not out there, we don't actually have the energy to do something about how bad we wow. feel. But as spring rolls around, then people take take more action. And then there's this theory that um, increased light increases the rates of mania for people with bipolar disorder. Yeah. So, so, th- so we that- have this sort of threefold way of explaining it. But it is important to, to recognize uh, that uh, there are seasonal differences to the presentation of the illnesses we treat, just as there is for everything in medicine. Yeah. Right? You're going to see more flu in the winter than you are in the spring and the summer. Yeah. So um, exercise, light therapy, meds, be with people, exercise. These are all things. Hang out with your dog. Play music. Yeah, all this stuff, um, that'll help. It'll all help. So... And and you know it does it, it it doesn't hurt to see a professional and 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 get evaluated because you know just as we say in pediatrics not all that wheezes is asthma not all that seasonal affective disorder is necessarily you could have a thyroid problem right, right. This, which it, would look exactly the same if you had hypothyroidism so do get yourself to see somebody if this is a new onset of a, of a problem you know get yourself a good physical examination and that psychiatric examination so you really know what's going on. Right. So, so look, um, we got a few minutes left. Let's do what we usually do at the end here. Let's what's talk that? about <laughs> issues. Well, it was your idea. Uh, <laughs> so what issues that are going on in the news that we worry might be affecting the mental health, especially of kids? Um, and I, I got one in mind, but... Okay, you start. I, I am um, bothered by the ongoing issues at the border right oh, now. I was thinking um, of the same thing. And I'm saying this in an apolitical way. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm not going to take a stand on whether we ought to have folks... Well, actually, I don't mind taking a stand. I think no, people be, ought to be able to seek stand. asylum if they need to seek asylum. But what I'm worried about in terms of kids, because explaining the concept of asylum to kids is a little bit difficult, but the images 
of children being um, attacked by our own country, children and families being tear gassed. I actually, whether we are okay with that or not as adults, it has its effect on kids. Uh, I've had kids in my practice. I don't bring it up. I don't mention it, but they mention it to me. So I know that that news is affecting them. And uh, and the other news that's affecting them is, is the uh, fact that parents and their children were separated, you know, months ago also at the border. So issues around the border, issues about self and other uh, those are things that actually trouble me right now in terms of the way kids are going to process this information yep. coming of age yep. now. Well, and just, you know, I, I mean, it, I was thinking of the same thing, but the other thing that, 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 uh, that I, that comes to my mind is, you know, the, the war in Yemen. I mean, and, and, and kids are hearing on the news that 85,000 children have starved to death. That is unspeakable, which raises other issues about kids feeling that the world is unsafe. But this one, when they hear 85,000, if the kid's old enough to understand how big 85,000 is in terms of, you know, you know This is scope. when I think what you do, if you can, is you empower the kids. You say, okay, you're going to be 18 soon, three years, four years, one year. You figure out how you're going to vote. You don't have to agree with me, but you got to make an informed so the, decision. Yeah, and the thing is, is that we, we, we also can, through our voting, change, you know, uh, preparedness for even natural disasters. I yeah. mean, there's more we can do for floods and for wildfires and for, uh, you know, saving the planet, just as we can help the world, you know, put an end to war, you know, going back to the, the yeah. Kumbaya days of, you no, know. No, it doesn't have to be the 60s. I mean, the it's, 60s. it's now. Yeah, it is now. So is let's, now. um, so we've hit a lot today. Yeah. Um, if if you all out there listening, if you guys have any questions, thoughts about this, please do do let us know. Um, thanks so much for listening. I'm Steve Schlossman. I'm Gene Bereson. Take care. See you next time. Okay.